Big Fluff. Hey. They said we had to evacuate. There's a boat. We're coming? Someone has to stay behind. Boyfriend. I didn't know that you guys were like together together. We are. <laughs> oh, that's good. I just you've never like me. You don't mention them ever. No, I'm at work. Official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. This is Lauren Lapkus. You're listening to Hobo Radio. Enjoy it, baby. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again, I'm Joel Murphy, and today I am very excited to bring to you my interview with Lauren Lapkus, who I just have to say, right at the top, could not have been more delightful. I sincerely hope that all of you someday uh, can get to spend a morning with Lauren Lapkus, because she she really is the best. Uh my fiance Molly and I, we got to go over to her house. We got to hang out. We got to befriend her dog, Franny, who was so sweet and who very badly wanted to be a part of the interview. Both Franny and Lauren Lapkus were, were so kind and fun, and it was such a delightful chat. And I am really excited for you guys to get to hear this because I think you're really going to like it. And I think especially if... You primarily know Lauren Lapkus from her acting career. Like if you've seen her in Orange is the New Black or you know her uh, from Crashing or or Jurassic World, I think you're going to get more of a sense of her personality. And it's the personality that she gets to showcase uh, if you're familiar with her from from her podcast work. If you've heard her on Comedy Bang Bang or uh, Spontaneous Nation or her show. Uh, with special guest Lauren Lapkus. It's, you know, a a very delightful personality that doesn't quite sync up with sometimes the roles that she plays. So you will get all of that in this interview, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Lauren Lapkus. So I always like to ask people to begin, uh, just if I were to go back and like talk to people who knew you growing up, like, is there a story that they would tell or multiple stories they would tell of like, I knew that Lauren was going to be an entertainer because. Yeah, I guess there are, I mean, I, I, when I was in elementary school, I like wanted to be on SNL. So it was kind of the thing that I already knew about myself and I was funny and like, 
I, I loved comedy and would watch all sorts of different TV shows nonstop. So I think that people would say they knew that about me just because I talked about it a lot. But also, <laughs> I was a bit of a class clown and like would, I mean, I and I had a bit of a mean-spirited sense of humor, I think, a little bit when I was younger where I would like tease people. But it was funny, but it's like, you know, eventually you're like, oh, I don't want to make anyone feel bad. But right. <laughs> when you're little, it's hard to differentiate that. Uh, so when did you start seeing it as a career path or like something you were actually like, this is what I want to do? Uh, I guess I started doing children's theater when I was in elementary school and that and finding out that I could like, be on stage and get laughs was huge for me. And it became like, oh, this is like the thing that I feel attached to. And this is like my identity in many ways. Um, and I at that point either wanted to be like a writer or an actor. And when I got into high school and started doing improv, that's when I really realized that like that was definitely going to be my career path, like doing comedy. So what, post high school, you were just focused, like you, you knew you wanted to do comedy and you, so what, what did you do? At that yeah. Um, well, I started doing improv classes at IO in Chicago when I was a senior in high school. So that was a huge thing for me in terms of like getting to be around adults who were already doing comedy and seeing what that world was like a little bit. But I never really went to shows or anything, so I didn't really know. Like, I went to, like, a few shows every so often because I had, like, school and stuff. <laughs> like, it was a little bit harder to do. So I didn't really know what that whole world was until I got into college. And I went to DePaul in Chicago and started, like, I kept doing improv. And uh, that whole scene was, like, my life at that point. And seeing that happen for people and, like, the way that you kind of see people go from doing Second City or something to then being on SNL or on TV, uh, seeing it as, like, a possible path at that point made it like even more of a thing that I knew I would do. And what was, so what was the end, like in your mind, if it all worked out perfectly, was it Saturday Night Live or what was the thing that you were working towards? Yeah, I think at that point it was like SNL is the end goal. I had no, I, I there was so much about it that I didn't understand that like there were so many different ways you could have a career. Um, so I think at that point it was like, uh, that's the career option for someone who does improv. Like, I didn't see it as, oh, there's someone going crazy with the... Is that going to be really annoying? It should probably be all right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do about it, but... Right. Um, sure, stop. We're podcasting. Yeah. I don't know if you understand. Like, our job is really important. Um, anyways, um, where was I? I can't keep my head straight. Okay, um, no, but... Yeah, SNL was definitely like the goal, and I think I didn't even know, I didn't even consider necessarily that I could like do sitcoms and stuff like that too, even though I grew up like admiring those actors. It didn't really seem, like I, didn't, I didn't know how you did that. So SNL I had read about, I'd read every book you could get your hands on, you know, about SNL, so I was like, I know the path and how people do it. Um, I didn't know that like you could also like audition for commercials and then get on a TV show and then do whatever. So it's like there were so many different ways you can go about having a career in comedy, but yeah, that was definitely my goal for a long time. And then, so I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too much, but like, so then at some point did you decide to move to LA or what was sort of the the next phase? Yeah, I f finished school in Chicago and then moved to New York for a little over a year with, uh, I had a sketch comedy partner at the time. We were doing shows together and decided to go to New York. Uh, and I really wanted to move to LA. So I kind of put a stamp on it of like, I'll be there for a year or so and then I'll move to LA. And I did that. So I went to New York and like did some more classes, like did UCB, which I hadn't done before, and joined like Story Pirates, which is a theater company where we do, uh, we, I say like I'm still in it, but it's a theater company that performs stories written by kids. So it's really like fun and 
I met so many great people doing that. So that was really awesome for me. And then I moved to LA like, yeah, year and change uh, after. And that was where I started to really work. I mean, yeah, I hadn't like done anything for money until I got out here. <laughs> so what were you, were you just like working random jobs? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I was mostly babysitting and I also would like hand out flyers for money, much like Pete does on crashing. <laughs> I did that. I did like, um, really, I worked at a, as a, at a coffee shop for like two days. Like I would quit like anything that sucked really quickly, but, <laughs> uh, I mostly babysitting was like how I made my money. And then, so when you got to LA, then what was the, that point? Like, what was your plan or what were you? Yeah, the plan was just to keep doing improv and like get involved in the scene here and get on teams and then hopefully start to like work as an actor. But I had no sense of what that would even mean. Um, so I kept babysitting and was doing that for the first year for sure, maybe longer until I was able to live fully off of like any sort of work that I would get. But yeah. And then what was, was there like a moment that it sort of, um, that you, you know, uh, it clicked in and like you, I don't know, you, you got a job that sort of, you were like, I don't have to babysit anymore. Was there sort of a pivotal? Yeah, it was mainly from doing commercials. I think that's where I was able to make enough where I felt like, oh, it'll keep coming. Like it was like, I didn't have to worry about it much more or feel like I had to have this backup plan. Um, where I could start to trust that a little bit, but like the getting onto a TV show was like the ultimate thing that made me feel like, okay, I'm actually like safe to like get a new car or whatever. Like I don't have, <laughs> I don't have to be like so careful with like all of my belongings. And you know, like I had this horrible car that would just break down all the time. And I really waited until I couldn't take it anymore and like had the stability of doing a TV show to get a new one. Uh, so was that Orange is the New Black or was it? No, it was Are You There, Chelsea. It was an oh. NBC sitcom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was like my first big job, um, Chelsea Handler sitcom, but yeah. 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 Um, so, well, I mean, um, that how, did that go two seasons? I'm trying to no, remember No, it went how, one season. One it was season, a mid-season yeah. show that went 13 episodes, and yeah, so it was here and gone, but for me it was huge because it was the first time I'd ever been a series regular on anything, and also like any on anything pretty much at all like I had done like after I booked the pilot I did like a small couple small guest roles on different shows before we shot the season so I had like a little more experience but it was really like a I was kind of pushed into the deep end with that and was that just a normal audition process or? yeah it was pilot during pilot season it was my first pilot season out here and I had gotten a manager through um UCB mainly and that was how they found me <clears throat> and uh, I went on like a couple auditions. I think it was like my fir- one of my first auditions at all, which is so annoying because it doesn't happen. And then it really like set me up to <laughs> think that I'll just do that every year and that's right. just not how <laughs> things work. So that's been a fun uh, learning curve. But <laughs> yeah, like I, yeah, I booked like my, one of my first pilot auditions and it actually got picked up. It's like all of that just doesn't happen. <laughs> so it was very lucky. And so yeah. was that even like when it got canceled, were you still like, oh, but this will, I'll just get another one immediately. Yeah, right? I was really bummed that it was canceled because I was really enjoying it but I did think like oh I'll get another one. and I mean yeah. for the next few pilot seasons I did get a pilot every year but they didn't always get picked up right and then I eventually got another one that got picked up but then it got canceled after 10 so it was like and then this past year I haven't gotten anything so it's like it's kind of I'm getting more into the ha- realistic role of how things go where you just don't <laughs> always book something that gets picked up and you're done and it's fine <laughs> so uh 
what was Orange is the New Black like for you? Because I, I feel like that's probably maybe the first thing that, uh, you know, maybe a lot of people were aware of you. Or yeah. Like, that you really got this role that was like public, you know, conscious sort of. Yeah, it was crazy because I didn't know anything at the time about Netflix. Being, I mean, it was before they had any shows streaming and they hadn't done any streaming. So it was all like still like DVDs in the mail and they were going to start doing these TV shows and they hadn't done House of Cards yet. Uh, they were in the process of that, I think, when they were making Orange is New Black. So I got an audition for it. And I mean, I continue to audition for basically everything. So it's like <laughs> I had no idea what it was what it was, or what was going to happen with it. And I did a self-tape at home in my apartment and then ended up getting it off of that. And it, I was really excited. Um, but of course, in retrospect, I'm like way more excited than I was then because <laughs> it was so amazing. And so many people like love that show, including myself. So, And that, I mean, that was a pretty... I, I would say that's a dramatic role. Like, I don't know how you would define it, but that was, uh, there was definitely comedic elements at times. Yeah. But was that, so it, it sounds like talking to you that you sort of maybe were pursuing more comedy in general, but was that, so what was that like to have this sort of more dramatic? Yeah, role? it was, it, it was kind of interesting because I couldn't tell the tone of it off the bat. And it, and that's still been like a huge issue for that show with like awards <laughs> seasons where they're always like, is it a comedy or is it a drama? And I like that it's neither, really. I mean, I think that that is what makes it really interesting. But as an actor, I think at first I was like, oh, how do I play this? Right. Um, and there would be times where I did something extremely, what I considered to be like very serious. And they'd be like, that was so funny. And then I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know. Then <laughs> I just don't know. So I uh, would just find either way. As long as you like it, that's fine. <laughs> but I thought I was being serious. Um, but yeah, so I think I got you know used to that over the episodes that I did, like what, what exactly the tone was. And after seeing it especially, uh, all put together, but yeah, it was it was a great challenge for me though. I mean, there were a lot of really dramatic moments on that show that are undeniably dramatic, like finding a hanging body in a closet or things that yeah, like that I would never expect to be doing in my career, especially at that point. So it was really a great thing to do to kind of push myself into a different realm. Uh, what is it like like looking back on that now? Like now in hindsight, like is I don't know. Do you have deep does it come up? Do you think about like your, your days on Orange is the New Black or like, how does it? Yeah. I mean, I think back fondly of it. I was so, it was so fun. And it's, I still like, I, I'm really happy that I got to be a part of that show, even though I was so sad when like, my character got fired, which ultimately means I got fired. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> Very meta. Yeah. 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 Two things happened at once there and they were emotional. Um, but, uh, no, it was such a great experience and I, I'm so happy I had that opportunity because it really gave people an like an opportunity to know who I was, where I didn't expect to have that show be a way for people to know me, especially because my role was relatively small. Uh, I wouldn't, I never expected to be recognized from it, like on the street. Uh, and I think because people like binge watch it, they, you get so attached to every character. Like there's so many characters that are big and small that you remember because you watch it all pretty much in one weekend right. that it feels like one long movie and it makes sense that people would remember. But at the time it was really shocking. <laughs> um, so how did that change, uh, your career path or how did that change like working from that point? 
Well, it was great because, I mean, it's a show that everyone knows, so it's really awesome to have the opportunity to be on a show that everyone, you can just be like, oh, I was on this show, and they're like, I've seen that show, and that's rare. So that was really great for me, and a lot of casting people were familiar with the show from that point. And, I mean, it just helped my career in a lot of ways because I also was able to push myself into more dramatic stuff and ended up doing a few other things that were not as comedic as I was used to doing, and so it was fun for me to try that. And even Crashing, I think... It was all of that was like preparing me for those kinds of roles. Uh, well, I definitely, obviously, want to talk to you about crashing. Yeah. But, uh, the other thing I did just want to briefly touch on too was uh, Jurassic World. You know. Yeah. Because uh, that I read and I I want to believe this is true, but that a lot of your scenes were sort of improvised on that. Is that? Yeah. Well, we had there were moments where the dialogue was improvised, and especially at the end, that was like the big moment where where I say I have a boyfriend. We knew we were going to do that, but uh, we improvised the lines, you know, surrounding it, which was really fun. And Jake is hilarious and has an improv background. So anytime we were allowed to do that, it was really great. Um, and Colin Trevorrow, the director, like allowed us to have little moments like before. I don't know how much of it that, is, that was improvised actually all made it in, but we got to improvise <laughs> so much in the shooting process, which was really cool considering it was like this huge scale movie that feels like there would be no time for that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was fun. Was that all just like in a stretch? Like, were you guys just there for... Yeah, I went to, I, uh, first was out in Hawaii and shot my helicopter scene where I see Irfan Khan's character taking off in the helicopter. And, um, that was like the first thing I did on the movie. So it was kind of an interesting way to start because it's super dramatic and crazy and like they're on a helicopter pad and in the middle of Hawaii. Um, and then we went to New Orleans and did all of the indoor scenes in the in the secure or the control room all at once so i well i know they're they're doing a sequel like is there any potential for you to no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i saw jake like recently and he was like sucks we're not in it and i was like oh we're not in it okay great (laughs) 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 oh that's too bad he has more connections over there with the people that actually find out from the ground floor what's going on but yeah uh, that's too bad because you guys were like a really delightful part of that. Like it was sort of like a very almost like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of. Oh, thing thank you. Of like, yeah, just you guys like cutting to you and like I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Oh, so. thanks. Me too. I mean, it was so fun. I would have loved to be in the next one, but that's okay. I'll do other stuff. It's fine. Jeff Goldblum stole your part. I know, <laughs> and that's just unfair. Did he see what I did with it? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you mentioned crashing, and I definitely uh, want to talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like one of the things that, that struck me about that show, I love that show, by the way, like it's really great. But your character is fascinating to me because, like, I mean, it, it's Pete Holmes's show, so yeah. like very easily you could have been a villain, or like you know, we could, the audience could have been aligned with him. But like, it's sort of, and especially like through to the last episode, like in some ways it's your story arc just as much as his like you sort of have the big moment in the finale you know yeah I thought it was really cool that Pete and Judd allowed for that character to be so developed because I think it's so easy in a show like that or or like you know a situation like that where someone leaves the partner they can be like oh that person sucks they're the asshole and there are still people who tweet at me and think that my character's an asshole and it actually surprises me because I'm like I know that she has harsh moments but 
I what I loved about the character so much is that I feel like she's really multidimensional. It's oh, yeah. not yeah. like so cut and dry that she sucks and he's good or something. So Yeah, and it, well, I think what's interesting that I sort of thought of like defining your character is her it's like it's not that you're pursuing stand-up comedy. Like I'm not support it's not that I'm not being supportive of that, but it's like that made me realize that I'm not in love with you enough to Right. Yeah, like to be with like if it was this other guy that I'm hooking up with, I'd be fine if he wanted to do that. But like it just made me realize that like I'm not in love with you. And yeah. I I don't know, that is a really profound moment and yeah. it's um I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I think it's such a great character though, and it's so well developed. And oh, you know, thank you. Yeah, it was really cool to get to, and just to get to have those big scenes where like you actually get to get into the meat of a relationship, and we got to improvise so much of that, which was really really cathartic and fun. And like <laughs> both Pete and I are like crying at moments that there were parts that were that they did not use where like takes where we're like crying that were like too dramatic. It was funny because I look at it now like I was like expecting like. In one episode, the yard sale episode, we had that's where we had that big conversation on the couch about like, oh, I'm not in love with you enough to like support you and everything you do, and we both were crying, and it was like really emotional, <laughs> and then we did a verge like Chris Kelly was directing, and he was like, okay, do one that's like less dramatic, <laughs> and then I was so curious which one they were going to use when I was watching the show, and it was really interesting, but it was really interesting to see it they used the one that was less dramatic, but I was like, oh, it makes sense because we can't have that happen in episode three. It's like too early to have them both be like sobbing about this, um, especially with all the things that have to happen from this point forward. But it was fun to get to do it like that and to get to be so, just to take it as far as we could and then bring it back. I think my my favorite moment for your character that I thought was such a cool thing to happen was when you go to the dinner with his parents and it's like you still like you want him to like work out this stuff with his parents. So you're like, well, I'm kind of out of this anyway, but because I'm here, like I'm going to yeah. sort of like push you to deal with this stuff. Like, yeah, I just thought that was such an awesome moment. Yeah, too. yeah, it was. That was a really fun moment to play too, because for, first of all, I just so rarely get to play a character that gets to like blow up at someone or like be upset. <laughs> so that alone was fun for me. I'm usually just like I'm scared. Um, but, <laughs> It was really fun to get to do that. Uh, but yeah, Pete's parents, I loved the casting in that. The parents are so incredible and like just perfectly annoying where you're like, I can <laughs> handle you to a point, but if you guys are not willing to see what's really happening here, then I can't take it. Uh, so, but what was, what were the talks like with Pete Holmes? Because uh, like, I imagine that's an interesting position to be in of like playing, it, you, it's a real character that, like a real person that your character is yeah. based on. and. Obviously, he's probably going to have some strong opinions about, like, how your character should be or, like... I, I, did that kind of stuff come up or, like, did he sort of let it go and let you... It was a little bit free because I think one of the goals was to make sure that it wasn't a replica of his ex-wife. So, like, I actually don't know much about her and I think that was for the best. Um, I didn't want to end up saying stuff that was really said necessarily if you know i mean he wrote they wrote amazing scenes with real dialogue that we use i mean i don't know how much of it is based in reality in his life but and then we were able to improvise off of that but i think if i had too much information about like what actually went down i i wouldn't you know what i mean it's not fair so i think uh, it was good for me to not have too much direction in terms of basing it on someone specific but they Pete and judd were both pretty clear and like what my character's goals were and like that she's not an asshole and that she just really wants to be happy and wants Pete to be happy. 
Yeah, and um, no, I think you guys really accomplished that. Like, I think it's that's a tough tightrope to yeah. walk, and I think you guys really did it. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Um, what was it like for you, uh, just you know, with a comedy background, like being a part of the show and like sort of the the arc of his character? And... Yeah, I, well, I loved it, and I I first of all was so excited to get to work with Judd because that was literally like on my vision board of like things I want to do in my <laughs> life. So I was very happy about that. Uh, as a comedy person, just like that's a dream person to get to work with, but. Um, but yeah, I think watching Pete's story is so relatable. Even the improv scene is a different kind of world, but there's so much about the path of, you know, that, that we all take to become like a paid comedian and all the shitty stuff you have to do that, <laughs> that people don't talk about. And it's even harder, I think, as a stand up because you're in it alone. And so I think they played that really beautifully, but it's so, I can't imagine doing it all by myself and like going to all those clubs and performing for two people like I perform for two people with an improv team and that's sad on a different level but um, <laughs> and I received zero dollars for sure and never have but uh, I mean never received a dollar but uh, <laughs> yeah but I think uh, watching you know getting up there and just like speaking your own, what you think is funny by yourself to an audience of people who like might hate you is is very daring yeah, I always, I, because I, I've done some improv too, and I always think that, like, that's an interesting divide between, with improv, you always have other people, so you kind of, th there's a plus and a minus to that. Like, when it goes really well, like, you know, you all did it well together. Yeah. But it, it's nice that if it all goes bad, you can all just go backstage and be like, man, that was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, you all have to kind of take the blame because yeah. there's no way to fix it. Like, I've been in so many bad improv shows where you're like, this is just bad and like literally nothing I do can fix it. And the audience yeah. is done with us. So even if someone were to do something very funny right now, it's like, it doesn't really matter. Like right. it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Improv is fascinating that way too. Cause you have the other side of that too. That always kind of feels like a cheat where it's like, they're laughing at everything and you're like, but you're just laughing. At I know. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be like, you can get spoiled like that with, especially at UCB because I think the crowds are so generous and awesome that coming out here at first, I was like, they laugh at everything <laughs> right. and then you can be like, I can coast on that, but it's not, that's not good. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, then as like a stand up, it's you, all of that is by yourself. So if you crush it, then it's like, I crushed it myself. But if it's yes. bad, it's like, they didn't like me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, really high highs and really low lows. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I never like, I have such sympathy for stand ups. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, same. It seems so difficult. Uh, well, I want to talk to you about sort of, I guess the other half of your career, side of your career, whatever to call it, but the sort of your podcast career, yeah. I guess is a way to describe it. Cause it, it's, and it's interesting to me because, uh, sort of for me, like I knew you, like you would show up and stuff and I knew you as uh, an actor. And then like, I listened to podcasts that you were on and didn't realize that that was like, you were the same person. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. took a while to be like, Oh, that's who Lauren Lapkin yeah. is. <laughs> I think people definitely have that a lot. And I, and it's probably hard to reconcile when you're someone who's just seen me on orange is new black. And then you hear me on a podcast being like disgusting or something like it's not, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that doesn't seem like the same person because people do often think that like, I think people just often think actors are what the care, like, like the characters they play, which is right. easy to do. Cause I think I do it about people too, where I, if I don't, I've, never met them I have no idea what they're like I'm I'm more likely to be like oh they're like that character on that show and I'm really just not anything like the meek like characters that I play so it's it's really funny when people think that I'm going to be like that um and I enjoy having the podcast thing to be able to put out my own thing every week <laughs> or be on different people's podcasts and be like oh this is what my brand of humor is if you want to know what it's like 
Yeah, well, I think that's that's such a Hollywood thing of like you. They want you to figure out what your type is, and like you, you know, when you're you have to pitch yourself that way. Yeah, like, yeah. So, uh, but no, so I, I think um, probably the first big podcast that I sort of remember you being a part of too was Comedy Bang Bang. Obviously, mm-hmm. how did uh, Comedy Bang Bang come about for you? Like, how did you start yeah, appearing on that? It was from Scott Ackerman. He did um, Ask Cat monologues at UCB, and so he came and. Uh, told stories and I, I'm in that cast of that show so after the show like another a couple days later he asked me if I wanted to do his podcast which I had never heard before and but I was very excited to do and kind of went into it really blind and I think that was I don't know if that was good or bad I really don't know I mean it was fun but I think I was like oh wow it's, it's really a new world for me to get to like be living in a character for like a full hour and a half or like typically in an improv scene you get a few you know minutes and then you're done um but yeah, so that was like a whole different like way to learn how to improvise in a way. And the, I mean, that shows it like his sense of humor is interesting, too, because like a lot of times he likes to get to like a meta level of just like messing with the reality that you've created with yeah. the characters. So I, I imagine as an improviser, too, that's got to be an extra level to kind of play with. And, yeah. And it's there's it's definitely something you have to catch up to. But I really loved it and so I was really thankful that he kept having me on I mean it's turned into like it it was how I got my own podcast eventually like by doing stuff at Earwolf and working with Scott uh so I'm totally grateful to him for that so how does how does it work at this point does he just like hit you up and is like come on and do you like with all because you have a number of characters now at this point so is it sort of do you have freedom to sort of decide what you want to do? Like, he's like, I'm going to have you on, and then you yeah, pick? Yeah, yeah, we always pick for ourselves, and um, if you want to do a new thing, he's always open to that, too. And it was especially fun on tour, because we went on tour last year and went to, like, 20 cities or something, and it was difficult to keep making the shows different. <laughs> we were like, we have to, like, Paul Tompkins and I, like, made a spreadsheet of, like, all of our characters and, like, tried to work <laughs> it out so we'd, like, pair them appropriately but not overlap too much and not keep doing the same thing too much. So it was, that's, it's been fun, like, doing the shows so much that we eventually have an arsenal of characters that we can use. Um, yeah, do you have to keep track of that? Like, your character histories or, like, how does that work? Yeah, at first I would. Like, I, when I first came on the show, if I was going to repeat a character, I would, like, listen back and, like, remember what I said. And then at a certain point, you're just like, I've said so many stupid things that, like, there's no point in trying to remember <laughs> all of them that I'll just, like, go with whatever sticks and do it from there. Do you have a, a favorite character that you do? Or? Um, I think one of my favorites is Todd, who's Scott's nephew, who's <laughs> yeah. a disgusting teenage boy and very <laughs> pathetic. Uh, I love doing that one because I, I really love messing with Scott. I think that's one of the fun things about doing this show is that you get to like, you know, have your these dynamics with the other characters as well as the host. So like having my like history with Scott as a, his like persona on the show is really fun. Yeah, you're so like yeah, you're disgust with Scott Ackerman <laughs> like when you play that character too. <laughs> Um, well, so what, yeah, well, you kind of mentioned, but the tour, what was that like just to get to? It was so cool because since I'm not a stand-up, like I've never had the opportunity to like go on tour and especially with characters, like there's not really a way to do that that I've seen or that I'm interested in necessarily. (laughs) So this is a perfect way to do it. And it was so great, like touring with those guys. It was Paul F. Tompkins, Mike Hanford, Neil Campbell and, and Scott. And we had the best time. They're so nice. I was kind of like wondering what it's going to be like traveling with all these dudes every day. And I mean, we got along really well, so it was good. 
Yeah, well, I yeah, because were you guys all on a bus together? Like, how did? You no, know, we flew and then took trains sometimes. But oh, okay. yeah, it was mostly flying every day, which was really draining. I don't know how stand-ups do it, especially by yourself, like traveling so much and ending up in these weird cities by yourself and just having to do a show and. It's really draining, but I mean, and we went to Australia too and did, I mean, so that was a whole nother level of tired that we were working with. And wasn't that like a quick turnaround too, wasn't it? Yeah. Like you weren't in Australia. For we long. were not there long. I mean, yeah. we were there for like under 10 days and flew to five or I mean, three cities. Um, wait, we did Brisbane, Sydney, Perth and Melbourne. So yeah, four cities, but it was very exhausting. We were, I mean, cause we'd be like, your body clock is so messed up. And like, we'd take a nap in the middle of the day, like right before the show and then get up and be like, I'm, I feel so weird and I have to go do the show and it's going to be so weird, but, but ended up being really fun. <laughs> yeah, so what, what were the dynamics like of all of you guys being together though? It was, re- I mean, there's really not much to say about it because we just got along. Like, I yeah. think that like, it would be, I was very delighted to find out how funny everyone is all the time. <laughs> like, of course I would expect that from like talking to them, you know, before and after podcasts and stuff, but we never really hung out. And I mean, we had so many laughs. Like I think Neil Campbell is one of the funniest people ever. <laughs> it's great. I don't know why this is the question that popped into my head, but like, did you ever get to see Paul F. Tompkins in like sweatpants or something? Like, I, just, <laughs> I always just have such I, a clear picture of him. Yes, he does wear a matching tracksuit if he's going to be in a sort of relaxation wear while traveling. So he always looks put together. Like I would wear like, you know, really shitty clothes to travel and Paul always looks nice. So I have to give him credit for that. Yeah, I feel like it'd be upsetting. Like if, if he just had like an old t-shirt and like, yeah. he'd be like, are you okay? Like, I know, yeah. Yeah, he, I, I thankfully never have seen that, and I hope never to see yeah, it. It's a bad... Make sure he's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I really will, yeah. Um, well, yeah, so as you mentioned then, so you have uh, with special guest mm-hmm. Lauren Lapkus. Um, so is that just sort of like a natural extension of like, I'm enjoying doing this, and I like... Was it that simple, or what was the... Yeah, like the guys at Earwolf offered me a podcast opportunity, and I was like, well, I want to do a podcast for sure. Like, I want to take that chance, but I don't know what I would do. And I really like, uh, especially at the time, it was a couple years ago, I was really not a fan of talking as myself or like... Like anytime I had to host Cat or something, like I just would get anxiety about just doing that on stage and having to like talk to the audience or whatever. So I was like, I don't really want to do a show where I'm myself as a host. Um... So I tried to figure out a way around that, which I was successful, (laughs) which is making everyone else the host and they can do whatever they want. And they make me the guest as a character and I get to just improvise and have fun. So I don't have to prepare anything, which is always great too. (laughs) It's a great trick. I think it's pretty brilliant to be like, Hey, you want to do my show? Figure it out. (laughs) I know every once in a while I feel bad about it. Um, putting the pressure on other people, but it's always, it's always fun to see what we'll come in, come in with. I mean, I, they always make it something I never would imagine. And we end up doing a show just about lunch or something for an hour. And like, <laughs> it can be a very broad thing or very specific. And, and that's fun. Well, I'm sure it keeps it fresh for you, too. Like, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, and having people label my character was like a thing I discovered a few episodes in where I was like, oh, it'll make more sense if they come in with what my character is going to be because they can tell me, you know, then it'll go with the theme that they're doing. And that made it more exciting for me because I was able to kind of stretch my wings in different directions where like, I wouldn't have made myself that type of character before, but now I'm going to. So, uh, well, so what else, um, like, where do you see the future taking you? Like, is there, do you have goals at this point? Do you sort of have a vision of where you want your career to go? Yeah. I mean, I like, I think my dream scenario, I mean, there's so many noises and I'm so sorry, (laughs) but (laughs) my dream scenario would be to have my own show and, um, in, 
I have a few different, you know, ways I would like that to go. I think like I would love to do a sketch show. I'd love to do a scripted show. Um, either way would be really fun. And that's like my main goal, I think, in the future. Other than that, I am enjoying doing random things and seeing what happens. I'm getting a lot more into voiceover work, and I think that's mainly from all my podcast experience. So it's been yeah, cool to sense. have it yeah. lead to that. Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of that, and I'm on a new um, Netflix cartoon for kids that'll be out in 2018, um, which hasn't been announced yet, but I'm really excited about it, and it's really fun. So I'm hoping to keep doing more of that stuff, too. Um, well, you, you mentioned a scripted show as one option, but if the other show, like, would you want it to be like autobiographical or like, yeah, I mean, I've written, um, I have like stuff that I'm interested in pers like in, in exploring like sto personal stories, but also I, I mean, I'm really inspired by Pete in that he was able to take something that was really personal, but then expand it a bit. So it's not just literally what happened in his real life. I think that's really interesting and probably felt really good for him. So I think that's something that I'm interested in too. Well, is there anything that I, I didn't touch on that you, you want to bring up? Or? Uh, I don't know. I feel like we covered the main points of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, I, well, I do usually like to ask, too, like, uh, what is something that, that most people don't know about you? Mm, well, I mean, I think it has to be just that my personality is very different from the characters I play. I think that people who know me from podcasts wouldn't be shocked by that at all. But uh, most of the world doesn't know that those characters and that, that sense of humor. So that's been something that I am excited for more people to find out about me. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you get more of a chance with uh, like on screen stuff. To, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even crashing alone was like a great experience for that to get to play a character who's not so shy. I just felt like that was a step in that direction for me. So. Oh, yeah. No, you're definitely the more like alpha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cool. I Yeah, I think that's pretty much everything great. that I had. There you have it. Lauren Lapkus. As I said, great chat, great person. So wonderful to talk to, so generous with her time. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. Uh, if you're looking for more interviews, if you enjoyed that, you want to hear more, uh, go back and look. I, I interviewed Pete Holmes from Crashing. Uh, you can hear Pete Holmes's interview on uh, HoboTrashCan.com along with a bunch of other interviews. Go check them out dig around the archives. You're going to find more interviews that you love. And uh, while you do that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. So remember, kids, don't do drugs or you go to hell before you die.
Okay. My dog, she's just growling. <laughs> Hopefully all these noises will stop and we can have like a normal <laughs> recording. <laughs> I, I shot uh, first in Hawaii, and I can move her. <laughs> no, she's fine. <laughs> We're becoming best friends. <laughs> uh, oh my so god, I think my dog is... Your dog is out. <laughs> well, she's farting, and it's really ruining my life. I, <laughs> she hasn't gone to the bathroom in two days. This is not, like, podcast-worthy, but... Um, and I was really concerned about it, so I'm kind of glad that this is happening, but I'm also, like, really scared. <laughs> I don't want you to think that I'm disgusting, but it's something is happening over here. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's now she's gonna get up and leave me with it. Um, <laughs> it's really horrible. Um, what did you say? <laughs> I can put her. I can't no, 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 she's fine. This is like I listen to so many podcasts, and when a dog gets involved, I'm like, get the dog out of there. And like I'm, I'm the person with the dog. Now. It's horrible. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We have have to to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.